0: Welcome back to the Hippo Campus Clubhouse, Erin here, and today at the Clubhouse we'll learn all about the four incredible black women who helped win the space race of the late 1960s for America. We'll meet Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson, Katherine Johnson, and Christine Darden, who were brave and determined and really good at math. So good, in fact, that NASA hired them to be human computers. Without them, NASA's greatest successes would have never been accomplished, and America's first journeys into space might not have happened when they did. And all of these women did this in a time when being both black and a woman was a serious limitation in comparison to today. Let's learn more about these inspiring women by getting comfy, cozy, and ready to open our hearts and minds with Hidden Figures, written by Margot Lee Shetterly. Hidden Figures, the true story of four black women and the space race. Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson, Katherine Johnson, and Christine Darden were good at math, really good. In 1943, the United States was at war, World War II, and Dorothy Vaughn wanted to serve her country by working for the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, the government agency that designed airplanes. Having the best airplanes would help America win the war. Making airplanes fly faster and higher and safer meant doing lots of tests at the agency's Langley Laboratory in Hampton, Virginia. Tests meant numbers, numbers meant math, and math meant computers. Today, we think of computers as machines, but in the 1940s, computers were actual people like Dorothy, Mary, Catherine, and Christine. It was their job to do math. Because Dorothy was black and a woman, some people thought it would be impossible for her to get a job as a computer. She lived in Virginia, a southern state where laws segregated or kept apart black people and white people. They could not eat in the same restaurants together. They could not drink from the same water fountains together. They could not use the same restrooms together. They could not attend the same schools together. They could not play on the same sports teams together. And they could not sit near each other in movie theaters. They could not marry someone of a different race. But Dorothy didn't think it was impossible. She was good at math. Really good. She knew she was the right person for the job. She applied, and the laboratory offered her a position as a computer. At work, blacks and whites were kept apart. The white computers worked in one building, and Dorothy and the other black computers worked in a different building, in their separate office. Even though they worked on the same kinds of assignments, the black computers and the white computers used separate bathrooms and ate in separate lunchrooms. America won the war in 1945, but Dorothy stayed on the job, still trying to make airplanes faster and safer. By 1951, the Americans and the Russians were competing to see who could build the best planes. That meant more experiments and more numbers. Lots and lots of numbers. And more numbers meant the need for more computers. That's when Mary Jackson got a job as a computer at Langley. She worked in a group that tested model airplanes in wind tunnels. A wind tunnel is a machine like a huge metal box with a powerful fan attached. Mary put model airplanes in the wind tunnel and blasted them with air from the fan. This experiment helped her group improve their designs on the models before building the full size airplanes. Mary wanted to become an engineer, but officials said it was impossible. Most of the engineers at the laboratory were men, and to become an engineer, Mary needed to take a very high-level math class, a few actually, but she wasn't even allowed to go inside the white school where the classes were taught. But Mary was good at math, really good at math and she refused to give up. She got permission to enter the school building and take the math classes and earned very good grades. Because she didn't give up, Mary Jackson became the first African-American female engineer at the laboratory. Katherine Johnson was good at math and always asked lots of questions. In 1953, she applied to the laboratory for a computer job and was placed on a team that tested actual planes while they were flying in the air. Their research was used to figure out ways to prevent future plane crashes. And in one of her first projects, she learned how to analyze turbulence or dangerous gusts of air. No one knows how many lives her work may have helped to save. Catherine wanted to help the group prepare its research reports, so she asked if she could go to meetings with other experts on her team. Her boss told her, though, it was impossible. Women aren't allowed to attend meetings, he said, but Catherine knew she was as good at math as anyone else, maybe even better. So she asked him again, and then again, and then she asked him again and again, and again, and again. Catherine asked her boss so many times that he finally invited her to the meetings. Catherine was good at math, really good. And because she fought to be treated the same as the men, she became the first woman in her group to sign her name to one of the group's reports. In the 1950s, the Langley Laboratory bought a machine computer that could do math much faster than the human computers. At first, these machines made mistakes. Dorothy learned how to program the machines so that they got the right answers. She taught the women in her group how to program the computers too. In 1957, Russia launched a satellite known as Sputnik into orbit around the Earth. The United States started building satellites to explore space too. For years, the laboratory had used math to design airplanes. Now, it would need math to create spaceships as well. The government decided to change the agency's name from the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, now known commonly as NASA. In 1961, President John F. Kennedy told Congress, I believe this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. A man on the moon? (gasps) But the first step to getting a man on the moon was to send an astronaut around the Earth. NASA was going to need to hire more space experts and more people who were good at math. Really good. The people at the laboratory had to work together from morning until night to figure out how to send an astronaut named John Glenn into space and bring him back home safely to Earth. Katherine Johnson knew she could use math to help. Tell me where you want his spaceship to land, and I'll tell you where to launch it," Catherine told her boss. Catherine then helped calculate the trajectories, or pathways, that rockets traveled through space. She had to plan Glenn's exact route from takeoff in Florida to splashdown in the Atlantic Ocean. There was simply no room for error. No one was better than Catherine at solving these tricky problems, and days before his mission, John Glenn wanted Catherine to double-check the machine computer's trajectory calculations to make sure it hadn't made any mistakes. When Catherine said the numbers were correct, Glenn was ready to go. And on February 20th, 1962, Glenn blasted off into space, circled the Earth, And made his way home safely. Meanwhile, laws began to change so that black and white students could go to school together. Blacks fought hard for the right to sit beside whites on buses, to drink from the same water fountains, and to play in the same parks. At the laboratory, black and white computers started working together in the same offices, eating at the same lunch tables, and using the same bathrooms. Black and white moviegoers could now sit next to each other in the same theater, and across the country, people started to think about the ways to bring equality to all Americans. Christine Darden was good at math, and she loved electronic computers. She started working at Langley in 1967, and Christine wanted to become an engineer and thanks to Dorothy, Mary, and Catherine, she now knew it was possible. Eventually, she became an engineer for supersonic airplanes. Those are planes that can fly faster than the speed of sound. But her first job was to help with NASA's mission to the moon. The people at the laboratory prepared for years to send astronauts to the moon about 238,900 miles away from the Earth. Finally, on July 20th, 1969, the world watched as three men arrived on the moon in their Apollo 11 spacecraft. Astronaut Neil Armstrong said when he stepped onto the dusty surface of the moon, that's one small step for man one giant leap for mankind. But it was also a giant leap for Dorothy, Mary, Catherine, Christine, and all of the other computers and engineers who had worked at the laboratory all of those years. The moon landing was a success from takeoff to splashdown, but there was no time to rest. Once NASA landed astronauts on the moon, the people at the laboratory began dreaming of sending humans to other planets, such as Mars, or Jupiter, or even Saturn. They started to imagine hyper-fast space planes that could travel around the Earth at seven times the speed of sound. The next adventure wouldn't be easy and would require lots of tests and lots more numbers. But Dorothy, Mary, Catherine and Christine knew one thing. With hard work, perseverance, and a love of math, anything was possible. The End Wow, what an incredible story! and a powerful one at that. Who knew that having a love for math could truly change the world and bring us to other planets in the solar system? I especially liked how all of these women fought so hard for everything that they believed in, most importantly, themselves. At the end of this book, the author has a note that I would like to share with you. When I first started working on the original Hidden Figures book, I had no idea it would become a New York Times bestseller or be embraced with the enthusiasm all over America by people of different ages, genders, races, ethnicities, classes, professional backgrounds, and political persuasions. But then again, When the first five black women took their places in the West Area Computing Office at Langley Memorial Aeronautic Laboratory in 1945, they had no way of knowing that those first steps would eventually help our country get to the moon. Hidden Figures is very much a work of imagination, the kind of imagination that it took to believe that it was possible to orbit a person around the earth. The same kind of imagination that led Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to dream of an America that would bestow the blessings of democracy on all of its citizens, regardless of what they look like, where they came from, or what others of them to be. It is my hope that the heroines of hidden figures will spark the imagination of the next generation of readers and that the next generation of scientists, mathematicians, and engineers and encourage them to ride their dreams as high as their talent and determination will take them. I hope you enjoyed Hidden Figures and maybe learned something new to share with those in your world. Thanks for joining us for Storytime, and we greatly appreciate your support. We love having new visitors at the clubhouse for our story time is welcome to all. If you're new to the clubhouse, click subscribe. And if you like what you hear, leave us a positive review and a five-star rating. Be sure to tell your friends on Instagram to join us next time. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast with your favorite book, have your grown-up visit our website at hippocampusclubhouse.com. And under podcast, click on Storytime Voices. While you're there, check out our one-stop bookshop to find new titles to love. And don't forget to join the Clubhouse mailing list, where each Monday, you'll learn about new story adventures ahead, sensory-based activities for all, free Storytime-related printables, and more. Until next time, be sure to tell your story with an open heart while listening to others with an open mind. Just like Catherine, Christine, Dorothy, and Mary do.